0: Welcome to the Ambassadors for Christ Outreach Ministries podcast. So we are Christ Ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Uh, On this month, uh, this is an exciting and a very uh, trying sermon series that we're going to be moving into. Um, I pray that it blesses you all uh, for this month and next month. I want you all to be focused. I want you all to be focused. I want you to be alert. I want you to be listening. I want you to be digesting what is being discussed. I want you to bring notes. I want you to take notes. I want you to look at this thing on your own. Don't just believe what I say because I say it. And because I have a microphone and it, it projects my voice, I want you to go home and I want you to look at this thing and prove it right for yourself. Amen. Amen. That's the only way that you're going to really understand God. You cannot understand it through my testimony. You cannot understand it through just my words. God has to be the Bible, the scripture, the word of God has to be living inside of you. Uh, so this month, I want you to have note, a notebook and pen or your notes on your phone or something that you can jot. I don't care if it's a napkin. You're going to want to take notes in this, because this month, the series is entitled, The Bible Doesn't Say That. The Bible Doesn't Say That. A very a very conflicting and very uh, go-against-the-grain type of sermon series. Uh, uh, so I want you, I hope that it intrigues you. I hope that it is, excites you, uh, and I hope that uh, it causes you and empowers you to want to script, learn scripture for yourself. I figured if, if nobody enjoys this, I know Tavares will. <laughs> it's one he, he loves to dig. He loves to dig. He loves to question. I enjoy it. Uh, so I'm going to get him some stuff to chew on on this month. I uh, hope you're taking notes. The Bible doesn't say that. Let's look at uh, I want to look at John chapter 10 and verse 10. John 10 and 10, a very familiar passage of Scripture. John 10 and 10. Man, if you have it, say amen. Everybody should have it at this point. John 10 and 10. Let's read it together. It says, The the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Let's read it again so you understand it. It says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I come that they might have life. And that they might have it more abundantly. And again, we're on our first installation of this sermon series entitled, The Bible Doesn't Say That. This sermon series in the month of July uh, serves as a deep dive into scriptures for the sole purpose, hear me, of understanding scriptures that have for decades have been misquoted and misrepresented. During this month, I encourage each of you, as I've said before, to engage in this conversation. Take notes, listen, and share the podcast every single week. In order for us, people of God, AFC, to represent God, we must interpret the scripture correctly and without bias. Whether it hurts you at home or not, the scripture is what it is. The word of God is truth. There is no other truth. I don't care how much scientists do the research. I don't care how many people Google the word of God is truth. We must be a church that is willing to be stretched. And challenged even when it goes against everything we've been taught in our past. I am not here to to make your other pastors look bad. I am not here uh, uh, to to, uh, defame them or anything like that. I'm here to simply right the ship. I openly dare you. I dare you. I double, double dare you. Each of you to study these sermons on your own and call me when you don't understand or if you're conflicted in your spirit. All right. Don't get me wrong. This is a stretch for me as well. Amen. I told you on last week that we must be held accountable and at a higher level if we are ever going to reach what God has for AFC. Right. The scripture we will look at today is one that for me was mind blowing. In order to properly understand a scripture, now this is where you start to take notes. In order to properly understand a scripture, one must be willing, at minimum, to understand the surrounding scriptures. So understand the context in which it was written. You must also understand uh, the original Greek or the Hebrew meaning of the words written, depending on if it's Old Testament or New Testament. And you must also understand the time period and the people in which it was written in and to. You hear me? Let's go. Let's do it again. The only way to really and properly understand Scripture, one must be willing at minimum to understand the context of the Scripture. Understand the original Greek and Hebrew meaning of the words written. And understand the time period and the people in which it was written in and to. I chose to start with this scripture today because as a leader, I must recognize and come to grips with the fact that everything starts with me. This sermon series, the Bible doesn't say that, is not a sermon that will be filled with cliches and climactic closings. No, uh, this, ser- this series will serve as a weekly Bible study and investigative journey, a deep dive across the scripture to debunk the many different sayings and misquoted scriptures that have been uh, the basis of our faith for such a long time. For far too long, the church has allowed us, the preachers, to speak in the name of God, but fail to go home and study the word for themselves. For far too long, for some reason, the church, I'm talking about y'all now, y'all in the seats. You think that the pastor's job is the only only one uh, to be a student of the word of God. But this series will prove that if you're not careful... You will find yourself being manipulated by a person or people who preach the gospel with different intent. Yes, sir. This will be a conversation. So what does that mean? Talk back to me. So I need y'all to pay attention, and I need y'all to answer me when I ask you a question. All right. Tell your neighbor. Touch your neighbor. Say, class is in session. Class. Here's another note that you can take, and I wish I had a made a, a, a slide for this. It's called exegesis versus eisegesis, and I'll spell that for you so you have it right. Exegesis is E-X-E-G-E-S-I-S, exegesis, E-X-E-G-E-S-I-S, versus eisegesis, E I S E G E. S-I-S. Got it? Exegesis versus eisegesis. E-I-S-E-G-E-S-I-S. Now, what is this? Exegesis is drawing out text meaning in accordance with the author's context and discoverable meaning. That's what exegesis is. It is when you draw out the meaning of the text in accordance with the author's context and actual meaning. Eisegesis is just the opposite. Eisegesis is when a person, when a reader, imposes their interpretation of the text. So by default, which one, and this is a question I need you to answer, which one should we be engaging in when we attempt to understand Scripture? exegesis. I'm glad you're paying attention. That lets me know you're on the right track with me so far. So our goal during this month and going forward in this ministry is to be sure to exegete the text that is before us, no matter what the text is. So here's the first statement that we will deal with this month. How many of you have ever heard Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy? If you've heard that, raise your hand. Okay. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's even proven in John chapter 10, verse 10. What does it say? It says, The thief cometh not but to do what? For to steal and to kill and to destroy. And what what does it say? It says, I come that you might have what? Life. And that you might have it how? More abundantly. So let's raise this context on this morning and ask you a question who is the thief? According to what you've heard, who is the thief? Satan. Satan. Thank you. Write that down. I know the thief in John 10 and 10 to be Satan. This is, now, I'm not going to lie. Until I heard it, I thought the same thing. But we all wrong. All right 15, 20 of us. In order for us to arrive at the answer, we have got to take a moment and go back to verse 1 Uh of John 10 and end around verse 10. You ready? Uh Verse 1, what does it say? It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. First, we must understand who Is talking here in the Scripture, okay? Again, we must understand the person talking and who they're talking to. In the King James Version, some other versions as well, all of you that read Bibles in your spare time, when you see the words uh, being written and recorded in red, what does that mean? Jesus is talking. Good. Somebody learned something in Sunday school. So Jesus is talking. So majority of chapter 10, in John 10, uh, is written in red. So we are to understand that Jesus is talking and teaching in this moment in his ministry. Yes. The simple lesson which our Lord intends to teach in this familiar scripture has often been strangely mistaken. The minds of men have been so fixed upon certain ecclesiastical conclusions which have been commonly derived from it that the simpler but far profounder teaching which Jesus had in mind to give has been overlooked. It has been misconstrued. He was not defending the formal authority of his own or any other office. He was not discussing the regularity or lawfulness of his own or of any other ministry. He was not pointing out the method of entrance or acceptance into shepherdhood, but he was actually uh, telling how the functions for all true shepherdhood must be performed. He was simply laying down the rule of good conduct conduct and right service in all true leadership. A rule which he himself exemplified, I don't care where you look, it's right there, it's proven. He exemplified and fulfilled and which all must obey who hope in any degree to be worthy leaders of men. I think I'm speaking to the right people, yeah. but I should be speaking to some preachers. Yeah. Jesus, beginning in verse one, was teaching a lesson, lesson, setting the requirements for all men to ponder well, who hoped to influence their fellow men for good rank, office, order, culture. That none of these, no matter how commissioned or sent you are, can exercise any real shepherdhood over men except they are in sympathy with them. Stay with me. I'll teach you. This rule and guideline is true in church and in state. No matter if you're a leader over the church or if you're a leader out in society of an employer, of laborers, or of the head of your household, of civil rulers or political leaders, of bishops, priests, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, all of y'all. The power to lead men lies in sympathizing with them and walking in the same way with them. Watch this. this. is a good quote. The man of influence is the man of sympathy. Uh-huh. Here's another one. The man of power is the man of service. Here's another one. He that loves is he that leads. He that loves is he that leads. He that serves is he that rules. John 2, 10 and 2. Put it up on the on the thing. We're going to go 2 and 3. It says, but he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Verse 10. To him, watch this, the porter openeth, and the sheep hears his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and they lead and leadeth them out. Let me raise another question from verse 2 and verse 3. What is the door? Better question, who is the door? Uh-huh. Now, this is a simple one. If you read verse da- 9, go down to verse 9, the answer is simple, and it's found right there in plain text. <laughs> Jesus makes it plain. He says what? I am the door. The only way to prove to be a good shepherd is to go through Jesus. Yes, sir. Jesus also refers to himself as the good shepherd. To any leader, the good shepherd proved and illustrated his own good shepherdhood by sympathy and with love. When Jesus did ministry, he was not a dictator. He was not a king, but he was a king. He was a servant. He was, had sympathy. And he loved every body. Yeah. The saint... And especially the sinner. It was by no flash of splendor or miracle of external power that he proved his divine leadership over the hearts of men. But by coming to walk with them. To toil and tribulation and hunger and suffer with them. Jesus Entered into life the same way we did through human birth. He passed through it by the same path of tribulation and daily care. He did the same. He had to wash up. He had to brush his teeth. He had to comb his hair. He had to make sure his clothes was clean. Jesus got hungry. He got tired. He even fell asleep one day on the boat. Jesus was in sympathy with mankind. He made his exit from life through the same portal of suffering and death. In life and in death, he walked with his sheep. Therefore, he could say, I am the good shepherd. Not merely because I wield the power of God, my father, but he says, I am the good shepherd because I know my sheep and they know me. How many preachers, how many leaders in the church today uh, that you've been under that you didn't really necessarily know who they were? Yeah, they preached good. Yeah, they look good. Yes, their name was on a whole lot of flyers. They went to a whole lot of conferences. They had a lot of money. They drove Mercedes Benz. But how many of them did you really know and they really knew you? Look at verse 3. It says, to him the porter openeth. Let me ask you another question about verse 3. Who is the porter? If Jesus is the door, then who is the porter? The only satisfactory explanation is to see in the porter the office and the works and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Our understanding as as humans is darkened by nature. Our hearts are sealed, our ears are closed, and unless the porter openeth, says the scripture, the presence of the Lord is real in the sanctuary. Whether you believe it or not, the presence of the Lord is real. But watch this. But unless the porter openeth, his presence is not real to us. We read the Bible, right? But unless the porter openeth, the voice of the evangelists or the apostles written in this scripture are but a pleasant tale. Listened to, but soon forgotten. Yes, sir. The only way for us to come into the full knowledge of Jesus Christ is through the Holy Ghost. Yes, through the Holy Ghost, we are able to internalize and activate the word of God in our lives daily. Having church without the Holy Spirit is just feeble exercise. You are sweating, you're getting tired, and you jumping around, you levitating, spitting, and glowing, and stuff is beam is flying out your eye, but it's just feeble exercise if the Holy Spirit don't show up. Every time we come together in worship, ambassadors, we should be desperate for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Romans 10 and 14 through 7, it says it this way. It says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring the glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? The scripture says, so then faith cometh how? By hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The people of God, understand, arrive at faith by hearing the word of God, watch this, from a preacher, not just any preacher, not just a person speaking loud and saying good things, but a preacher that has been sent by God. The same applies in John chapter 10. Unless the man or woman, the preacher, is sent by God, the Bible describes them in John chapter 10 as climbers. They climb up some other way. He is a thief. Beloved, the only way to know that a person is sent by God is to look at their deeds and works according to what the word of God says it should be. There's an old saying that everybody knows no matter how old you are It says if it looks like a duck and it swims like a duck and it quacks like a duck, then it's a duck. Same goes for the men and women of God. If they look like God, if they walk in God, and if they sound like God, then he or she is sent by God. This teaching by Jesus was so radical. How do I know it was radical? Look at verse 6. It says, The parable spake Jesus unto unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. The people had never heard this before. Uh They had been so controlled and bamboozled and hoodwinked and run amok, you know how they say, by the priests of their time who took their money, made false sacrifices Woo, Jesus. and turned the house of God into a marketplace yes, sir. and called it godly work. Yes, sir. For far too long, we've relished at the words of big names and big egos. We have ran with haste to churches of large numbers, all for the sake of notoriety, neglecting to seek God for ourselves. And watch this, we consume, we eat, we divulge of the words of those that are not doing it for the glory of God, but for the fattening of their own pockets. Verse 10, verse 10. We arrive at verse 10. I'm not going to be long this morning. John 10 and 10, it says what? The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus says in word, te- in red text, I come that they might have life and that they might have it. How? More abundantly. So who is the thief? The devil? No. Satan? No. The thief in this scripture, according to Jesus himself, is written in red, is the preacher. Yeah. yeah. Let's dive in. Let's go deeper. The word thief. Are you going to, have to write this down? I wish I had made a slide for this. Tim, you were sitting at my house and, you know, we didn't even talk about this. I'm sorry. But the word thief used in uh, verse 10. You want to write this down. It's translated into the Greek word kleptase, which is spelled K L E P T A S. It's kleptase. Somebody say kleptase. All right. Which means, watch this, an embezzler. <laughs> the name is translated to false teachers who do not care to instruct men but abuse their confidence for their own gain wow Wow. mouths drop (laughs) the troublesome thing is that preachers will stand at the podium and say will a man rob god (laughs) speaking of the tithe and the offering watch this but fail to let the people of god know that we Preachers are robbing and thieving from God when we stand before you unwilling to properly speak the word of God as it is written. The Bible is a book full of revelations and prophecies from Genesis to Revelations. But watch this, it can be people of God. I can take one scripture right now. And I can twist it and turn it to make you believe whatever I want you to believe. That's how powerful the Word of God is. You can't find a book that you can do that with. That's right. When we as leaders yes, sir. fail to study the Word of God, yes, sir. but get up every Sunday to preach blindly, we knowingly and unknowingly come to kill, steal, and destroy. When we as leaders put more emphasis on anniversaries and birthdays than we do evangelistic work, we come to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. I would not neglect the idea that the enemy is at work in us when we fail at servanthood of the sheep, but this is more the reason why we as leaders should be sober and vigilant. Jesus closes verse 10 by saying, I come, I am come, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Verse 12 through 14, it says it this way. He says, but he that is an hireling. Anybody know what a hireling is? Good. I'm glad you don't know because I'm going to tell you. you. But he that is an hireling. An hireling is what? A person who works only for pay. And has little to no concern for, watch this, the value of the work. I'm telling you, it blew my mind. Because we say the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But don't nobody want to read verse 11, 12, 13, and 14? The scripture says in verse 12, but he that is a hireling. What is a hireling? A person who works only for pay and has little to no concern for the value of the work. And not the shepherd. Whose own sheep are not seeth the wolf coming uh-huh. and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scatter the sheep. Look out now. I'm going to leave that right there. That can explain itself. Yes, it can. The hireling, the scripture says, fleeth. Because he is a an hireling. And careth not. For the sheep again, I question from my own pulpit: How can a body of believers vote a pastor in? How can you hire somebody to be your good shepherd when a hireling, according to Scripture, has no care for their assignment but only does it for the pay? Probably won't get no engagements after this. I am the good shepherd, the Bible says, Jesus says, and know my sheep and am known of mine. Uh-huh. Leaders, hear and listen to me carefully on this podcast, Facebook, Instagram, or if you're in the house on today. If, you only, if your only purpose for leading is to get paid and live off the people of God's money, you are a thief and your days are lived short. So officially, people of God, AFC, if you're here in the house, we have debunked the statement that Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy because the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible actually, let's go to where it actually says something about Satan. In 1 Peter 5 and 8, it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, it says it plainly, the devil. As a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Turn to your neighbor and say, the Bible doesn't say that. Give God a hand, praise for his word. We hope that this message has blessed you and can carry you through your week. For more information, visit www.afcoutreach.com.